Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Mod Path Chat, the official podcast of modern pathology, featuring interviews with authors and experts on the latest science, technology, and developments in the field of pathology. Your host, Dr. George Netto, is the editor-in-chief of Modern Pathology and the chair of pathology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Here's Dr. Netto. Welcome to a new episode of Mod Path Chat. My guest today is Dr. Ralph Ruban, professor and chair of pathology and the director of the Saul Goldman Pancreatic Cancer Center at Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Ruban is one of the world authority on pancreatic cancer, if not the world authority. The impact of his scientific contribution to our understanding of molecular underpinnings of pancreatic cancer and its precursors, that's a specific area of his interest, could not be overstated. His work has been cited by over 180,000 publications, just to give you an idea how important his work is. Ralph is joining me today to discuss his recently accepted publication in Modern Pathology. The solicited review deals with the genetics of ductal adenocarcinoma of the pancreas. Thank you, Ralph, for accepting our invitation. Thank you, George. It's such a pleasure to join you uh, this morning. It's great to see you and in, in these times of the COVID-19 pandemic to be able to share some time with you and and uh, with the readers of your extraordinary journal, Modern Path. It's a real pleasure and honor to be here. Thank you, George. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, it's our honor to have you on this series. So I uh, usually start with what led you to do the study, but given the fact that this is a solicitor review, I do know what led you to, to, to share with us a study. Uh, so this was on the heel of the uh, Pan-Cancer Atlas uh, publication. And uh, can you share with our audience uh, a couple of words about uh, what is that Pan-Cancer Atlas uh, activity all about? Yeah, thanks, George. It's it's really quite extraordinary. It's the integration of the TCGA, um, you know, the Cancer Genome Atlas, the United States effort to sequence cancers, with together with the International uh, uh, Cancer Genome Consortium, the ICGC. They pooled their data and now have this extraordinary data set that is a merging of these two huge data sets. Uh, includes, I think, over two. 2,600 cancers from 38 cancer types 
and just really create such an extraordinary resource uh, for uh, investigators, for pathologists, that I, I thought of it and I said, I, I just have to, to write about it. And the second thing, for someone who loves history, medical history, this just got, you and I have lived through such an extraordinary time in cancer genetics and, and the Pan-Cancer Atlas kind of got me thinking back uh, to where we were and where we're going. And uh, one of my favorite uh, quotations is from Sir William Osler, who was the first head of uh, medicine here at Hopkins. And he wrote, to have lived through a revolution, to have seen a new birth of science, a new dispensation of health, reorganized medical schools, remodeled hospitals, a new outlook for humanity is not given to every generation. And, you know, that that quotation is as applicable today that to have been able to live through this wonderful genetic revolution in cancer biology is, is such an exciting for me. That is wonderful. And uh, I know your passion for history, and, uh, and, and it's, uh, it's not an overstatement to say that you, you and your team contributed a lot to our understanding of whole exome analysis of all pancreatic uh, cancer type, mainly the ductal, but, but all other precursors. And so let's, let's switch gears and, and focus on what this pan-cancer analysis uh, led you uh, to put together on, on the, the topic. Uh, since this is uh, we have limitation on time, we probably will uh, will touch upon the germline uh, section and uh, if we have some time for the precancer, and we'll leave the uh, invasive cancer for another day. So, as far as germline, can you share with us uh, summarize what are the salient uh, points that you would like our audience to remember? Yeah, thanks, George. So uh, broadly, so the this pan-cancer atlas obviously talked about all cancer types, and there were some themes that ran through it that uh, most cancers have four to five uh, driver gene mutations, uh, that chromothripsis, the su sudden rupturing of a shattering of a chromosome, uh, occurs in a, in a significant fraction uh, and early in, in many cancers, uh, that uh, deleterious germline variants are common, um, and across all cancer type. So when we talk about pancreatic cancer, just remind the audience that this, what we're talking about is probably true for almost all cancer types. And in pancreatic cancer, it's quite remarkable probably 10 to 20% of uh, uh, people who develop pancreatic cancer have a germline mutation, a deleterious germline variant that predisposes them to develop cancer. Even if they don't have a family history of cancer, um, uh, these can occur. And these That's are... Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're, they're obviously critically important um, for the individual's family to, because if they have a deleterious germline variant, they, they risk passing it on to their offspring. Or their brothers and sisters would be at risk. So uh, it's important to know what those are in terms of uh, uh, counseling the other members of the family. But second, and quite remarkably, if you think of uh, the targetable mutations, therapeutically targetable mutations in pancreatic cancer, the somatic mutations, uh, are, there's not a lot of money there, but boy, in the germline there is. And in particular, uh, uh, BRCA1, BRCA2, and PALB2, the Fanconi anemia genes, mm -hmm. are often, uh, can be mutated in the germline. And in those individuals, their cancers can be specifically treated uh, uh, to take advantage of that. There's a saying, if you have a skeleton in your closet, you may as well make them dance. Um, so if you've got a deleterious germline variant, uh, take advantage of it and and patients can get treated with a PARP inhibitor 
And some of these cancers just melt away. It's really quite remarkable. So now, because of this uh, growing body of evidence that germline mutations occur in 10 to 20% of patients with pancreatic cancer, that they're important for the family, and, and they're very important for the patient to guide their therapy, the current guidelines uh, are that every patient with pancreatic cancer should undergo germline testing. And I think this is going to open up a, a, a much better understanding of how cancer develops, why it develops, and importantly, it'll be a benefit to our patients. So I'm, I'm very excited about germline testing. Excellent. So just just to uh, to reiterate, so basically now the NCCN recommendation is to do germline mutation on every patient with pancreatic cancer. And that's not only triggered by the fact that it's potentially 10 to 20% of any pancreatic cancer patient may have that uh, if, if you catch them in a familial setting, but in general, there is a significant ratio, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, 10 years ago, we would say to a patient, oh, if you're of Ashkenazi Jewish heritage, because there's some founder mutations, the 6174 DLT BRCA2 mutation, or if you have a strong family history of cancer or pancreatic cancer, consider germline testing. But it turns out we were missing a number of individuals, those who had a germline, uh, uh, deleterious germline variant, but didn't have a, a strong family cancer history. They may have come from a small family, um, uh, or uh, the gene just wasn't uh, penetrant in that family. Uh, remember, just because you have a germline mutation doesn't mean you're going to get cancer. It means you're at increased risk for getting cancer. That is uh, very, very intriguing. I, uh, it's, I guess we got spoiled uh, initially by the MSI and a couple of cancers, uh, the BRCA and breast, triple negative, where you can expect the mutation married to a certain morphology. Uh, nowhere else uh, more than kidney, for example, kidney tumors. Uh, is that the case in pancreatic cancer? What's the correlation between all these uh, genes, uh, germline genes and the morphology? Any clues? Yeah, so that's a, a great question. It turns out there, there, you mentioned MSI and, of course, the medullary histology of microsatellite instability. But beyond that, there isn't uh, much of a clue. We've shown that there are increased numbers of precursor lesions in individuals with a strong family history, suggesting it's more like familial adenomatous polyposis with a lot of polyps, if you will. Um, but there's surprisingly little uh, correlation between the morphology uh, and uh, the germline changes. And this, of course, is why the, NC, the, the guidelines recommend that everyone gets testing tested regardless of the morphology. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One interesting uh, germline is that PRSS1, hopefully I'm saying, and uh, it's the hereditary pancreatitis, which probably is just unique to pancreas. Can you expand a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, almost all uh, deleterious germline variants increase the risk of other cancer types, not just pancreatic cancer. So it's uh, in familial atypical mole melanoma, the germline P16, the patients get increased risk of pancreatic cancer and increased risk of melanoma. Uh, we talked about the BRCA genes, obviously breast cancer, ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer. Um, but the one where the risk is confined to the pancreas are these uh, uh, familial pancreatitis cases. These are very dramatic. Uh, the patients can present as teenagers with severe unrelenting uh, pancreatitis, um, and uh, they have a very high lifetime risk of developing pancreatic cancer. In fact, in some situations, people have considered prophylactic pancreatectomy because their pancreas after years of pancreatitis is, is essentially destroyed. It's no longer functioning, and uh, they have a very high risk of cancer. And again, I'm not recommending it. Obviously, you have to each individual patient. But because the risk of cancer is confined to that one organ, some people have considered prophylactic pancreatectomy. Um, so it's really a great example of understanding the germ, how you, when you understand the germline variants that predispose to cancer, it can guide therapy. Whether uh, And in this case, it, since it's focused on the pancreas, the therapy should be focused on the pancreas. Uh, thank you. Uh, another uh, uh, issue, I guess, clearly, if you discover a germline, then that, that leads to, like you said, the family members, uh, offspring and, and, and brothers and sisters. So is that uh, how well or, or uh, uh, how, uh, how effective has, has this been? I know you, this is an area of interest of you and, and part of the reason for the Seoul uh, Goldman uh, cancer research initially. Uh, so this familial, has it helped in discovering earlier cancers? Have we saved some lives uh, knowing that somebody has a germline mutation or has a family history? Another great question, George. Thanks. So there are really two aspects to this. One is um, the uptake on other family members getting tested. And this is uh, uh, much harder than it sounds because to, you know, it, to learn that you have a germline variant that predisposes you to cancer fundamentally changes your life, right? You do begin to worry about cancer and it's not trivial. And so ideally, the testing should be done with the guidance of a genetic counselor. 
But of course, now that so much is known about our germline, there aren't enough genetic counselors to counsel everyone. And so all too often, people can take their own sample, send it to a company, and the company will send you back your germline, and, and no one has talked to you about what it means. So the inclusion of, of uh, thoughtful counseling is an important part of genetic testing. But you're right in your second question. How can we translate the knowledge? Um, you know, it's 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 one thing to say, oh, you're going to get hit on the head, but not tell someone when they're going to get hit on the head. It doesn't do them a lot of good. It's a but. How can we intervene and prevent them from getting hit on the head? And so there are a number of early detection efforts, often focused on high risk groups such as these families. Mimi Canto, my colleague here at Hopkins in gastroenterology, has a really uh, beautiful program, program called CAPS, Cancer of the Pancreas Screening, in which individuals with a strong family history with a germline mutation who are asymptomatic undergo uh, periodic endoscopy because uh, it doesn't use radiation or MRI scanning. And she's shown that if, if you detect a cancer in this way, that's the uh, prognosis, the survival is better than patients who are detected uh, based Based on symptomatology. And actually, just yesterday, I got an uh, email from a dear friend uh, who had, uh, uh, I've got, gotten to know because of he's, he has a strong family history and had a one centimeter cancer detected in his pancreas, resected. And he's, he's now many years out and sent me a picture of bicycling on uh, the shores of Maine uh, years later. And so that's the cat's meow is when you can impact the life, uh, save someone from uh, being diagnosed with an advanced cancer. But it's hard. Um, the, the, the risks are, are great if you overdiagnose a cancer. Um, so you have to have a highly sensitive, highly specific test. Um, but I'm optimistic. Excellent. So I, I guess uh, we can now switch gears and uh, in the remaining few minutes uh, talk about uh, the precancers, uh, which I know uh, that you, together with uh, Dr. Vogelstein's group, ha have done a lot in terms of uh, uh, shed uh, DNA in, in the fluids of these uh, cysts. Can you share with our audience, you know, what are the take-home messages of where we are right now with these precursors uh, and what are the opportunities to improve uh, upon basically the challenges that that you face for several years now. Yeah, thanks, George. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, just as invasive cancers have been sequenced, so have a variety of different precancerous lesions. And the real beauty here, and you alluded to this earlier, is that the pattern of mutations parallels the type of cyst. So um, based on the mutations that are present, one can predict, is this going to be a serous cystic neoplasm of the pancreas? If it has a VHL mutation, is it going to be an interruptal papillary mucinous neoplasm? If it has a GNAS or KRAS mutation and so on. And so uh, it's very nice as someone who's, you and I are both fundamentally trained as morphologists to see a, a great correlation between morphology and the molecular. And this, of course, then, as you said, allows endoscopists, if they have a cyst that's of uncertain type, to uh, do endoscopy, stick a needle in it, withdraw some fluid, and sequence that fluid. Um, and my, my colleague, Atur Singhi at Pittsburgh, has done a great job of applying that clinically, where we can guide uh, our clinical colleagues to say, okay, this cyst that you thought was a, a precancerous interductal papillary mucinous neoplasm, actually the only mutation it has is a VHO mutation. It's probably an oligocystic serocyst adenoma. It doesn't need to come out. So there's a real potential in translating the knowledge of the 
genetics of precancerous lesions into improving patient care. Now, it's a little bit trickier than, than one would uh, expect at first, as is always the case in life, um, because uh, uh, to take one example, precursor interductal papillary mucinous neoplasms, they don't form a, a single locule. They don't form a single cyst. It's more like a bunch of grapes. And each different locule can have a different degree of dysplasia. So if you stick a needle into one of the locules, into one of the grapes, and you only find the genetic changes that suggest low-grade dysplasia, it doesn't mean that an adjacent cyst doesn't have high-grade dysplasia. So sampling becomes a real challenge. You can you can know the worst that there is, right, by, by what you find, but you never know that uh, uh, that there isn't something else right next door. And so the genetics, uh, genetic studies of uh, precursor lesions and Laura Wood here at Hopkins has done a great job mapping out the heterogeneity is a, a very significant problem. That genetics are not homogeneous in terms of dysplasia. So we don't have a perfect marker for high-grade dysplasia. Which, which, so I guess that's that would trigger when it's time to take that precursor lesion out. And, and that variability and that heterogeneity is a problem because you may sit on a thinking it's a low grade. Uh, as far as, and you know that I read the paper very well. I always try to read your papers. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned the ploidy, right? Uh, ha having ploidy in addition and proteins in uh, analysis in addition uh, to just uh, detecting the mutation. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, thank you for the clarification that the mutations are very good for cyst type, but not so good for dysplasia. And I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head. It's not going to be one simple test that's going to give the answer. It's going to be an, an integration of the molecular uh, and including aneuploidy. Uh, obviously, the more aneuploid, the, the greater the risk of dysplasia. The imaging findings, right? Can we uh, integrate in, you know, don't ignore imaging. Don't ignore the patient, right? Again, it, uh, you know, it's, we're not just treating a disease. You're treating a patient who has a disease. And I, I'm very excited about the potential of integrating all of these features to come up with a much better uh, predictor of uh, the, the risk of a particular cystic neoplasm progressing to invasive cancer. This uh, was very enjoyable. Thank you. And very informative, Ralph, as usual. Uh, you're a great speaker, and it's so nice that we uh, connected again. Uh, let, me, let me close by uh, quoting a phrase uh, from the manuscript that we discussed today. Uh, the quote uh, should remind us all of, of the noble purpose of the hard work we put in translational pathology. And I always... I always uh, uh, mention you, Ralph, as uh, the uh, the exemplary translational pathologist, and I try to model some of my progress uh, in my career and learned a lot from you. The code goes like this: Genetics is now providing hope where there once was no hope for those diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. It's always about the patient, and your hard work has definitely saved a lot of patients. Uh, on behalf of ModPass, uh, we thank you for the opportunity today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I did. Thank you for the opportunity, George, and it's simply great to see you, and the admiration is mutual. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Have a great day. Any opinions expressed in this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views of modern pathology, Springer Nature, UAB, or USCAP. Your ModPath chat host and scientific director is Dr. George Netto. Producers are Christina Crow, Amber Jackson, Dr. Sarah Jang, and Dr. Catherine Ketchum. 
Technical direction is provided by Kaminsky Productions. Music by Mitch Neubauer. Thanks to the authors, reviewers, and editors of Modern Pathology for making this podcast possible.